Hi everyone, I'm Mark Cooper from Bivar RE and welcome to this latest episode in our Rethink Energy podcast series. Today's episode, we're talking to Nadia Holman from Team Sonnenwagen, one of 53 teams who took part in last year's Bridgestone World Solar Challenge across the Australian Outback. We're going to hear about Nadia's role in the team, her experiences, of course, during this epic race across Australia, and also what's next for Team Sonnenwagen. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Um, you can check out other podcasts and content on rethink-energy.com and also follow us on social media to join the debate. Welcome Nadia. Hi Mark, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy to be here. No, thanks for joining us. So I've um, got lots to talk about but let's maybe start with a little bit about you, how old you are, where you're from and then we'll talk about how you got involved with, with Team Sonnenwagen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, as you know my name is Nadia. I am 23 years old. I am originally from Canada I moved to Germany to continue pursuing my passion for electrical engineering. I'm studying power engineering now at RWTH Aachen. And in one of my lectures, actually, uh, my first year there, I saw that the Sonnenwagen team was having a recruiting event. They showed up in one of my lectures, they showed the video, and I was just so amazed by what they have done. I wanted to join right away. So that is how I came to know Sonnenwagen. Fantastic. And what's the kind of, you know, the mission of the team and the big objective for Sonnenwagen? So our main themes are innovation, pioneering spirit, and we want to show that sustainability, mobility concepts and solar technology are huge players in our future. And we also want to show that these things are already realizable, as you've seen with our two past solar cars and from other solar teams around the world, that we can already create sustainable mobility concepts. And the whole of Team Solar, I mean, you're, you're kind of all students, all studying, you know, various disciplines, engineering disciplines, have all come together to kind of what make that the best solar powered car in the world ever. Uh, yes, so we have about 50 students in our team. Uh, we come from various disciplines, from various backgrounds. We have engineers, uh, people studying business and economics, design. So, of course, we need a diverse team to create a fantastic car. And then a big part of, of of last year, obviously, then was was building up to this um, race across the Australian outback, which we'll come to in a little bit and talk more about your experiences there. But where do you start in terms of building a solar powered car that's going to take on a race across the Australian outback? How does it work, the kind of process, the role of the different team members in that process? Mm -hmm. So basically, we kind of have to think, what are we going to face in Australia? We know we will likely have a lot of sunlight, but also with that, a lot of heat. Also, the weather can be a bit unpredictable. As we have seen uh, in the last World Solar Challenge, we experienced quite some strong winds. And also, the outback isn't necessarily the, the smoothest road in the world. So that... We have to account for all these factors then in not only building our, our chassis and the structure of the car, but also looking at the components for the wheels and the electrical parts they have to withstand, uh, the heat and the dust and everything. So those are kind of the basics. Um, and then we look at how, how fast do we want to go, how much, how much energy we would need to go this far, for example, in one day. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a, a huge cooperation between all teams like with aerodynamics and the structure and the electrical team to build a really robust car that will manage uh, quite a few kilometers, hundreds of kilometers per day with just pure solar energy. 
So you've got the kind of technology side, I'm guessing, that the solar cells themselves and their efficiency combined with, I guess, good aerodynamic design and handling. And ideally, then, if those things come together, you've got yourself a really quick car. Uh, yes, <laughs> indeed. And you see that the race have been running for something like 30 years in Australia. Have we seen the cars just getting quicker and quicker and more efficient over that time? Uh, yes, we have. We also see them trying to get lighter as well. Lightweight construction was also one of our focuses for the Kvestrosonwagen. But we also see like this amazing evolution of technology and innovation. And every single year, you see amazing ideas coming from different teams around the world. Sometimes you don't expect <laughs> certain innovations. Uh, for example, one team, they laid their, their solar cells in a shutter pattern. So some of them were just layered on top of each other so that there was no space not covered by a solar cell. So that led to making use of a small space to increase power output from the solar cells, which was really amazing, uh, I'd say. Uh, we, we saw other innovations in terms of aerodynamics as well, which I'm not too much of an expert of. <laughs> Always really incredible. And just talking a bit more about kind of your role and within the team and kind of your area of expertise. So tell us a bit more about that, Nadia. I am responsible for the solar cells, um, along with another team member, Iskander, and we look at how are we going to configure the modules of solar cells, where are we going to place the modules that they don't have too much shadow, mm -hmm. or that we place modules where shadow usually occurs, how many maximum power point trackers we are going to need to maximize our energy output. And the kind of you know process you go through with the car, I mean, I'm guessing there's is there prototyping, is like kind of wind tunnel testing, you're getting out on, on the track and doing tests as well. It is a long, intense process. Yes, it is. I think since the very beginning, we, we look at what possible forms we can take, for example, the aerodynamics. Uh, the first phase is usually on the computer. Then we look at simulations for different forms of the car, for example. And then once we decide on a form, we test how it is in the wind tunnel. Mm. And then we, we make adjustments, of course, along the way. But yes, also once we, we have our car up and running, we definitely have to do a lot of testing to see how, how it performs on curves, performs with different weather conditions. We have our driving strategy team as well, testing the radio communication between them and the car, testing all the communication within the car so that we always get current status on the battery, on how the solar cells are performing, on basically everything that we can measure on the car. And it sounds like such a great opportunity to develop kind of new skills, learn new things, be part of a team. And at the same time, you're kind of, you know, having this amazing adventure as well. Uh, yes, it is truly an adventure. Uh, it's also great just being part of the team who, who never gives up, who is constantly bringing out their new ideas, um, working together, and we all have this one common goal of just wanting to change the world for the better, to fight climate change, to show that we can do it, that it's possible that a team of students can change the world. <laughs> And that's, and I guess that's the really, you know, the much bigger message here. The race across Australia, we, we'll come to that in just a second, is great and exciting. But the bigger message here really is e-mobility and as a planet changing how we see transportation, how we get about and moving from fossil fuels and conventionally powered vehicles to, to electric. Yes, it's, it's absolutely necessary. I think what we are facing now currently with climate change, that we have to make these changes for sure. 
And we've seen in Australia just recently with bushfires there and mm-hmm. you know, potentially then links to those being made worse exacerbated by climate change. So in terms of where to have the race and the Bridgestone Challenge, I mean, that was in October last year ahead of all of this, but it's you know turned out to be a, a pretty poignant location to have had that race sat here now talking to you and reflecting back. Uh, yes, actually, the, the bushfires really, I think, affected us in a deeper way because we were recently in Australia to show that not only e-mobility concepts are already there, but that these are necessary. So, yeah, the bushfires is, is just proof that we, we really drastically have to change the way we live, the, the way we think about things, the way we use resources and materials. So even one of the biggest things is, is that we drive every day or that we have to move ourselves every day to get to work, to get to school, to do our groceries, whatever it may be and this can be changed of course and it has to be because as we see the effects from the bushfires we're going to have a lot worse events in the future if we don't change for you personally is that in terms of you and kind of your friends as well are you seeing that viewing car ownership differently now in terms of what it means and what your priorities are from that uh, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, personally for me, I well, I never really wanted to have a car. I always thought public transportation or mm-hmm. just using my bicycle. But I think for others and also for companies, they're really seeing this need for change. So we, we see a lot of our car makers switching to only electric cars, for example, in the future. Or, or one of Germany's goals is to have 10 million electric vehicles on the road by 2030, having to or forcing then the country to, to change their infrastructure to become a little more innovative in in terms of accommodating for this new wave of uh, e-mobility. Okay, so let's go back to October last year and the start of the um, Bridgestone World Solar Challenge. We've got 53 teams from all around the world, all stewed from 24 countries, 3,000 kilometers across the Australian outback. So how are you going into that? How, how do you prepare for that? And presumably, you know, it's, it's nerves and excitement rolled into one. Oh yeah, well the preparation I'd say was months long. Not only did we have to deal with logistics and getting our car ready for the race, but also having it ready to be transported all the way to Australia. Getting all our equipment together as well was quite a <laughs> quite something, but also just the mental preparation. Uh, some of our team members have already done the race, so they were familiar with what was going to happen, what all goes down. But for, for me, for example, and the other members, we, we didn't really know what to expect. So we were just thinking, okay, like we we have to dedicate, of course, every second <laughs> to making sure that everything goes smoothly, that the team's well-being is taken care of, that the car is okay, that no problems occur, <laughs> or that all problems are taken care of before the race. So it was a lot of work from the start. Incredible. And before the race, what were the things that you were thinking, this is going to be you know, the big challenge, or this is the bit I'm most excited about or most nervous about? Uh, definitely the five days or four or five days in the outback that we were looking to spend. It was actually really nice being in Darwin for the first week or so before the race, just knowing that we, we are still having grocery stores nearby. We're still having running water service, for example, as well. Uh, and it was a little bit nerve wracking, I think, to think that we are not going to have this then when the race starts. So I think that was the most nerve wracking, but also the most exciting part of the entire race. And when you're out in the, in the outback and you're just camping there, are you? What kind of support and facilities do you have? Or has you literally got a tent and a mat to sleep on? Well, we, we do bring all our 
own camping equipment, like tents, sleeping bags, and um, mats as well. But we do have a support team. So all the non-technical people uh, in the team who are not actively taking care of the social media or, or filming, for example, or all, some of the technical team members who may not directly need to work on the car. For example, I was uh, on the support team. So we take care of the cooking, the setting up of the camp, the cleaning up of the camp and basically taking care of the team. So we had a lot of planning before, a lot of organizing, for example, what we are going to cook in the outback, how, how much of this and this food we are going to need, uh, how much water we are going to have to buy beforehand, where are water stops along the route, where are gas stations and, and toilets, for example, along the route. And we also have to actively scout them for, for camping places for a really large number of people. So that was quite a bit of work we, we managed. And the race, the race starts in Darwin, it finishes in Adelaide, it's 3,000 kilometres and it's seven days, but to be in contention for winning the race, the target is what, say three, four days to do that in? Yes, about four days should be the fastest then. You'd be a fastest team if you make it in four days. Most of us made it in five, I'd say, five to six, because of conditions or or accidents, problems that we experienced along the road. And what's a typical then race day? How does that work with the driver? Is it just one person driving for that whole day and then the kind of support team and have breaks or what's a typical race day look like if there is such a thing? Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> um, so from the start we wake up around 5.30 or 6 and then the support team would start uh, making breakfast or uh, also closing down the camp and cleaning up trash and everything and the technical team would also look at the car make sure everything is okay uh, we would have to bring the car to the place where we would have to start then for the day uh, and everyone yeah, starts eating breakfast <laughs> um, quickly gets ready gets packed up and then we're already on the road. So some of us, the scouts and the support team go ahead and we look again for grocery stores or places where we could tank up and we are constantly uh, communicating with each other to, to just to make sure that everyone's um, okay. Although the, the communication is a little bit difficult in the outback, we don't have cell phone service, so you rely either on satellite uh, communication or with short range radio communication. Um, so some, sometimes that was a bit of a problem, but then we, we start usually from 8 a.m. The race starts. That's when you can start driving. And then we race until about 5 p.m. So throughout the day, it's just constant communication and checking on the car and everything. And then when the race ends, then it's another quick camp setup, cooking, and then trying to get to sleep before 10 p.m. so you can get enough sleep. And it starts all over again. Wow. Yes. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's 53 teams, but the outback is pretty big. So, um, you know, I'm guessing after a while, you're not seeing anybody at all apart from your team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, at the beginning, you depending on how fast you are, you pass uh, most of the teams. And then I think our, our first night, we, we were actually beside one of the teams camping side by side. But yes, other nights you, you were completely alone. Maybe the next team is 40 kilometers away from you. But it does vary. I mean, it is a big place, but uh, we kind of move as an elongated group <laughs> along the outback. And you mentioned, um, depending on how fast you're going, so what kind of speeds are you looking at with the car if everything's going well? 
<laughs> well, if everything's going well, we could reach a top speed of 140 kilometers per hour. Uh, however, I think the speed limits were a little less than that for, for the most part. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Maybe maybe my memory is uh, failing <laughs> me for, for the speed limit, but I think we had 130 <laughs> uh, in the Northern Territory. Maybe I'm just confusing it with the German speed limits here. But other than that, we had maybe an average of 90 kilometers per hour for speed or uh, on the highways. Which is faster than for a car that's a few inches off the road you know I should yes. think it's incredibly <laughs> fast to be in it it is yeah you don't expect it for a solar car um, and uh, the whole thing obviously was just such a massive adventure but when you look back what a kind of wow moments that you now just think god that was amazing I think the whole race was truly amazing the spirit though of the team the way we, we work together constantly, I mean, even though sometimes some moments were stressful and maybe we were frustrated with each other or with, with, the, with the car that it wasn't working or something. But in general, I just think looking back, the race and the team was the most amazing component of this all. And the race itself, and we, we were all watching it very closely from here, and you guys placed really well. And then we had some drama, didn't we, on was it day four, and yes. um, basically a pretty big crash. Yeah, so that was another unexpected event. The day before the evening, we started to experience quite some strong winds. Uh, we also had to deal with a, a sandstorm. Uh, we had to protect the car from the strong winds and all the debris that was flying around. Setting up camp that night was really difficult. I mean, we were already so tired. It was very late in the evening and it was dark. And we were all trying to set up our tents in these crazy typhoon-like winds and trying to protect ourselves as we tried to eat some dinner and get some sleep before the next morning. So, I mean, we survived this wild night and we thought that the next day it looked sunnier, it looked better, and we were expecting to possibly reach Adelaide then on the end of the fourth day. Uh, unfortunately, the winds were still quite strong, and as we were coming close to Cooper Pedy, there was not only really strong side winds, but there were also some bumps on the road, and then a very large truck came uh, from the other direction, and yeah, the crosswinds created from the truck and from the wind itself just kind of made a, a whirlpool of air, and our, our car got caught in that and flipped over several times uh, wow. onto the side of the road, uh, which looked very scary from the video, but unfortunately, sorry, very fortunately <laughs> for our driver, he was okay. Um, the car, not so much, but that's okay. I mean, as long as our driver is okay, that's good. The, the car is fixable, but we don't want anything to happen to our, our driver. But so good thing, driver fine, car a bit of a mess, so then presumably you guys are facing a day, a night of having to repair it. Yeah, so we we took some time to kind of recover <laughs> from what just happened to kind of process the, the accident, but uh, just looking at the car, examining it, it looked bad, but it could have been a, a lot worse than it was. So all it took was just about four hours of work, everyone's helping hands, quite a bit of duct tape as well. <laughs> and uh, then we got our car fixed up and back on the road. It was also able to, to drive. Everything was functioning okay. And we were able to complete a couple more kilometers then at the end of the day. And then the next night, the, the team worked endlessly to, to make sure everything was okay, to repair anything else that could be repaired, and yeah, just to continue to Adelaide then for the next day. Well, and that really is that team spirit coming together. Yes, yes indeed. 
and you guys, you finished in an incredible sixth place, even after all of that drama, um, and also picked up the Spirit of the Event Award, which is just kind of fantastic. I mean, tell me about that, the experience of crossing the line and the feeling in the team of, you know, having made it, especially with this huge crash in, in the middle. It must have been pretty amazing. It, it was. It was truly an incredible feeling, and I think it was very emotional for all of us. I mean, firstly, to see that the car rolled into the next control stop after uh, just about five, six hours after the accident, and then also to finally cross the finish line. I think at the time of the accident, maybe some of us thought, we're not going to make it anymore, or we're going to be so far behind. But just being able to cross was such an amazing feeling for all of us. I think we were all really incredibly proud of each other, of ourselves, and so thankful also for the people who helped us along the way. Like we had a lot of, you know that there's like all the teams are supporting each other, even though it's a competition. So yeah, it was a truly amazing feeling. And also the fact that we got the Spirit of the Event Award was also just another <laughs> cherry on top. Really incredible. Incredible. And you can obviously still with the team, are the original team still together? Are you carrying on? Most of us are still uh, participating, at least for the, the 2020 event. Um, we will be competing at the European Solar Challenge. Uh, in Belgium, but some of us will either be finishing our degrees or moving on. Therefore, we are looking for new team members to continue having our team of 40 plus for the next uh, World Solar Challenge. Wow. And of course, you know, if that point hasn't become clear as we've been talking, but, you know, all of you are studying full time as well as all the commitments that you're making for uh, for Team Sonnenwagen. Uh, yes. Yeah, indeed. It's always a bit of a struggle to balance Sonnenwagen and all of this. I think many of us prioritize Sonnenwagen and we constantly shift our exams to the very end, but um, we're happy to do it. And you mentioned about the European Solar Challenge and that's the next the next big focus. So, you know, are we starting again with the car, the whole process begins again, or is it kind of taking what we learnt in Australia and kind of evolving things? I mean, how does it work now for the car and the team? Uh, so for the European Solar Challenge, we will be taking our car that we raced in Australia. Uh, we have to fix it up, of course, um, replace the, the windshield and, and make sure that the, the outer body is, is stable enough and okay after the crash. It, it will be a different strategy at this challenge because it's a it's a 24-hour endurance challenge and also we aren't going to experience the same conditions in Belgium as in Australia. I remember the last uh, European Solar Challenge, we had a lot of rain and cloud and it was very difficult for us to get enough sunshine <laughs> for ourselves. So it won't be exactly a transfer of what we learned from Australia, but we, we could always use some lessons learned as well and try to perhaps incorporate a bit more innovation than in, uh, fixing up our car and maybe changing some things. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, we would just like to see how our vehicle then performs in an endurance challenge. A fantastic experience. In terms of your education, your career is obviously kind of very engineering focused. Um, so in terms of young people thinking about careers, particularly kind of you know, young women, classically engineering may not be a career path they would consider. What's your message there about the career and the opportunities that it opens up? First of all, engineering is quite a rewarding career and it's it's a shame when women are interested in engineering or sciences or mathematics, but then kind of deviate from that path just because maybe it's a question of self-confidence or, or the environment that they're in. I mean, I, I get asked a lot, uh, how many other women are in your classes or, oh, you're in engineering, like, 
that's probably full of men and uh, you're probably like the only girl there. And I mean, unfortunately, it is the case. I do hope that changes for the future. I hope that women see that they are needed in this field, that we, we need their diverse ideas, their their genius in this, because we, we need diversity in, in our innovations and in our technologies. It's, it's not only a question of data bias, for example, but just different ideas, a different perspective. So I really hope that women not only feel more confident to be in engineering, to, to choose such a career path, but to also know that they can feel good even in an environment that's currently male-dominated, that they should feel like they could be the change that we all want to see. Nadia, it's been great talking to you. Inspirational. Just congratulations on, on everything you've achieved and the race across Australia. Just fantastic. And obviously wish you all the very best for the next challenge for yourself and for Team Sonnenwagen. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everyone for joining us. Great talking to Nadia. Don't forget to check out more content on rethink-energy.com and I look forward to talking to you next time.